0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Welcome back. You can't tell from the weather, but this is the time of year when hundreds of thousands of Canadians pack up and head south for the winter. Planning for any extended trip... Away from home can be stressful, can be a big headache, especially if you have a chronic condition that requires medication. Uh, I am here with our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, and he has lots of advice about coordinating meds, about what to take, and also about dealing with some travel-related illnesses. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out because I'm sure you have questions about this. And, you know, he answers whatever you ask. The number is 416-360-0740 or toll-free 866 740 740 John, welcome. Thanks for joining us.
2: It's great to be back, Libby.
1: Okay. So, uh, you know, last week we were talking about sometimes people um, have difficulty with early refills. Which is what you need if you're stocking up to go on a big trip.
2: Yeah, it, depends. it really depends on the type of medication as well. So, um, you know, that's a discussion you have with your pharmacist. If you're traveling and they're chronic medications, generally it's not a huge problem. Uh, it, it becomes a problem if it's narcotics or controlled drugs, right? Because in, in many cases they're prescribed with intervals, so you could only take a certain number of those medications over a given period of time. So if you're trying to fill them early... Really, we're unable to do that without uh, permission from the prescriber. And we know, you know, there's a lot around opioids in the media recently. And and it's something that's scrutinized very carefully, both by the ministry and I think by by healthcare professionals. So if you are traveling with narcotics or control drugs to control pain, make sure you give the pharmacy plenty of time so they can arrange that for you. It takes quite a bit more work than it would for all the other chronic medications.
1: What kind of notice do you need to give the pharmacist for for you know more regular kinds of drugs?
2: Yeah, like I mean, for regular things, generally, we don't need a ton of notice. If you tell us a couple of days before you go, it's no problem. we'll get it uh, we'll get it arranged for you. Many patients use compliance packaging, the blister packs, and if they're traveling for longer periods of time, and you want your medications to uh, come with you in those blister packs. Give us you know, at least a week so we could get, get them prepared. And if, you, if you're on you know, narcotics and, and you, you don't have refills or uh, extra medication on file, make sure you let the pharmacist know at least a week, if not more, uh, before you travel because we're going to have to get a new prescription. And sometimes it's hard to get a hold of these physicians. Uh, uh, and if you leave it to the last minute, you can get yourself in a jam because once you get into some of these other countries, it's very difficult to get narcotics uh, if you don't have a prescriber in that country.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again, 416 toll-free 866 740 I'm here with John Papasturgio. We're talking about what you need to know about packing your medications for a trip, which can be complicated. So first of all, how should you carry them How should you store them when you get where you're going? What's the effect of heat or anything like that?
2: All good questions. First things first, when you're packing your medication, take it on the carry-on luggage with you. Don't pack it in with your suitcase for different reasons. Uh, Suitcases can get lost when they're packed underneath the plane. Uh, for the more common other reason is it gets very cold down there and and certain medication can be unstable if it gets really cold, right? So um, general rule, take everything with you on the plane. Insulin syringes are okay as well. So if you're a patient with diabetes that's traveling with insulin and syringes, Um, You know, they may want to look at their examine the the syringes before you go through security, but it's it's okay to take on the plane. Uh, Make sure all your prescriptions are labeled uh, with the pharmacy label. That's important. So I I know patients sometimes will dispense in a box or vials, and they tend to take the medication out, and you don't have a label. If you get stopped uh, in security and they have questions for you, if there's a pharmacy label on there, they could always call, or it's kind of a uh, you know a, a second opportunity for the security agents to check where that medication came from. Um, so don't remove the labeling, and and I've had problems with patients traveling with like large amounts of medication where they've actually been stopped at customs, and I've received a call from uh, from the customs agent. So that's something that can happen. Mm-hmm. Wow, really... that's
1: that's going to make you miss your plane, I think. Uh,
2: yeah, it can. So, and I, I think in the situation, I'm, it was a more of a unique situation. They were traveling with a lot of medication, and if you're going for long periods of time, eight months, nine months, and you need you need quite a, you know quite a volume of medication. That's something. You have to prepare for. I think for the regular traveler, generally it's not a problem. The other thing you want to uh, consider is if uh, you know your medication requires refrigeration, right? Uh, insulin, for example. Uh, if you're taking a lot of it, you may want to refrigerate it. Generally, insulin's okay outside of the fridge for about thirty days, so you don't really have to pack that in ice. But there are other medications that need to be packed. Uh, uh, antibiotic suspensions. If you're traveling with a kid, that may be on a, a an antibiotic. You need to keep that chilled, for example. And and that's something that you have to prepare for. And again, it may take you a little bit more time getting through screening if you're going through with a cooler and ice and everything else. It's uh, it's something you should think about.
1: Those uh, insulin syringes, are they okay being packed?
2: Yeah, they're okay being packed. Uh, uh, you may get some questions around why you have them, but uh, they're, it's considered a medical device, obviously, so it's okay to take with you uh, on a plane. More, more so than not now, patients travel with the insulin pens, so they don't rarely use the syringes. They're not as common as they used to be, but uh, some patients still prefer to use them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, humidity? Most people are going to a warmer climate.
2: That's right. Another great question. So. Uh, when we dispense a medication in a pharmacy, the vials that the medication are in, irregardless if they're clear or amber, they always uh, protect against UV penetration. So uh, many medications become unstable if you put them uh, in direct sunlight. Uh, so if you're traveling, keep your medications covered up. Um, certain medications can degrade uh, if they if it gets very, very hot. And I'm talking over 40, 45 degrees Celsius over prolonged periods of time. Generally, tablets are okay if you're kind of in the heat and they're not in the direct sunlight. Liquids are a different are a different uh, issue. If you have liquid medications, they can become unstable in, in very high heat. And that's kind of the reason we say try to avoid uh, keeping things in your bathroom where you, the, the temperature goes up and you have the humidity of the shower and everything else. It could degrade the tablets and some of these liquids as well.
1: What about things like, I know that... Um certain kinds of drops for macular degeneration they have to be kept in the fridge.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So not all of them but some. So you have to be aware which uh which medication you have and if you're not if you're unsure speak to your pharmacist, but some have to be kept refrigerated or they become unstable. Those ones you'd have to pack with ice uh, while you're traveling, especially if it's a long trip. If it's a short flight it's usually not as big of a deal but if you're going on an overseas flight you may have to pack those and then you have to make sure if you're, you're staying in a hotel room you've got a little uh, fridge there or something where you could keep them uh, uh chilled because they they can degrade uh, definitely
1: uh-huh if you get stuck um, do you just have to find somebody wherever you are to prescribe for you? Or is there any way that if you get in touch with your pharmacist, they can help you out?
2: It, it happens. You'd be surprised how common this happens. So it happens all the time. I have patients of mine that have been stuck in different places. Generally, it's because they've either forgotten to bring enough medic- medication or they've extended their trip and they didn't bring enough when they when they left. They ended up staying longer than than they had to. Other situations are they've either had their medication lost or in worst case scenarios stolen. So it depends where you're going. If you're within Canada, generally, it's not a problem. For example, if you if you were uh, using my you know Shoppers Drug Mart location, you went to uh, another Shoppers Drug Mart location in BC. Usually, we would work something out without you having uh, uh, to go see a physician in, in British Columbia. Uh, that being said, if it's a narcotic or controlled drug, generally you'll be stuck because that's something uh, generally a, a pharmacist won't just give out. Uh, depending on the country, you may. Have to do different things. If you're in the Caribbean, many of the medications you'd be surprised don't require a prescription. So if you're not sure what you're taking, uh, have the pharmacy that you're you're kind of visiting call uh, your pharmacy here, and they may able to maybe able to walk you through it. The challenge is that the names are very different in some of these countries, and even the generics, like the the molecules are slightly different, so they're different drugs within the same class. So uh, there's been situations where we've had to kind of find an equivalent drug because they don't have the exact same drug in the country that the patient happens to be traveling in. So um, we try to work around these kind of scenarios, but it's not always uh, simple. And, uh, you know, often the patient will have to go see a physician, depending on, you know, how, how, um, uh, how strict the pharmacies are in the different countries. They might have to go to a physician in that country and get a prescription, and that happens as well. It could be uh, you know expensive, time-consuming. It could affect your trip. So definitely, if you're going, make sure you're taking enough medication and, and keep it in a safe place.
1: Okay, all good advice. We have to take a quick break now. Before we go, the number's to call. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-744-740. I'm here with John Papasturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about packing your meds for an extended trip, but he will take your calls and questions about medication, even if you're staying here. And frankly, looking out the window, staying here, not so bad at all. We'll be back after this.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Nimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. I am here with John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about medication for your trip, and we are taking your calls and questions, and that can be about anything pharmaceutically related. And we were talking about the right way to pack, the right way to store, what happens if you run out in the middle of a trip. Uh, I'm curious about uh, things that might be prevent uh, so-called traveler's diarrhea or any other kinds of things. I'm thinking of going to India. What about those vaccinations?
2: Yeah, so I have a great question. Uh, Traveler's diarrhea is something that could can definitely ruin your trip, especially if you're going on those short type of trips, one week, 10 days, kind of to the Caribbean or somewhere. If you get a bad bout of traveler's diarrhea, it can knock you out for two or three days uh, during your trip. Uh, there's a few things you could do. There's an oral vaccine now called Ducarol. Uh, it's pretty effective against travel, vac- uh, travel diarrhea. Generally, you have to take it about two weeks before you go, though. Um, It's something you can pick up at your pharmacy. Uh, It's a vaccine, but you don't get it by injection, actually. You you drink it, which is uh, a little bit simpler to do. Uh, But again, you need to do at least 14 days before you travel. You have to do that. The other thing I generally recommend is if you're traveling uh, to countries where you may be at higher risk, Take some antibiotics prophylactically, I mean with you. You don't have yep. to start taking them before you leave, but um, you could have them with you because they may be hard to get in some of those countries. Uh, uh, a drug like ciprofloxacin or azithromycin, uh, generally the travel clinics will prescribe it or your family doctor will give you a prescription. You fill it and you take it. And if you get... A bad course of traveler's diarrhea, and what I mean is it's diarrhea with fever or with bloody stools. A little bit of kind of loose stools or feeling uncomfortable is normal if you change your diet or whatnot and in, in, in you're in some of these countries. But if you start really feeling sick or you spike a fever, good sign for you to start that antibiotic. And uh, the great thing is the antibiotics are very effective against uh, the E. coli is the most common causative agent in traveler's diarrhea. Within three three days, like it's totally gone. But you ju- you start feeling better within like twelve hours. So good idea and to do so that if you're traveling. And so, do you
1: kind of diagnose
2: yourself? Uh, you, you can't depending on where you are. If it, I mean, if you're horribly ill and you feel really bad and uh, dehydrated and uh, very weak, okay, maybe you'll seek medical attention. But if it's uh, if you're pretty sure it's traveler's diarrhea and you've got the uh, medication with you, I would start it. Uh, uh, Imodium is something else I recommend uh, patients travel with. That's, you know, you get a little bit of diarrhea, but it's not horrible. You don't have a, uh, you know, a fever. You don't feel uh, very unwell. You may be able to treat it just uh, simply with some emodium and get that diarrhea out of control. So you can if get by if you activities. have,
1: if, sorry, if you have the injection, do you need the Imodium?
2: I would still take it, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, the vaccine's an oral vaccine, right? So, you don't need an injection, but uh, I would still uh, uh, take some Imodium because the problem is when you get to some of these uh, uh, different countries, it's not always E. coli or some of the more common bacteria that cause the infection. You could get kind of, uh, you know, parasitic infections and some of these other things. So, you know, although the the vaccine helps, it's not going to be a hundred percent effective. And I've I've heard this a lot from patients that have went away. They've they've uh, taken the vaccine and they come back and they say, "I still got sick," uh, and it can happen. It's not a hundred percent effective, and it doesn't cover against every agent.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that, um, with the flu vaccine, it's not a hundred percent. I know I took had a flu vaccine and and kind of feel like yeah, I had a little bit, but well- not terrible, but...
2: Absolutely. So uh, the way vaccines work is they stimulate your immune system. They they trick your immune system to think that you're sick, right, for uh, for a few days there. And that's the way it, it kind of activates it. It gets the uh, uh, your immune system to recognize uh, parts of the virus that will make you sick if you really got the flu. So um, it's flu season right now. I'll tell you, we've given about 2,000 uh, flu shots in my pharmacies already. It's been a very busy uh, uh, flu season. And I'm glad to see, uh, uh, you know, uh, people coming in and getting vaccinated. It's very, very important. Uh, but, yeah, you can feel sick. And that's normal for, you know, a couple of days after you've gotten your flu shot. But generally, you won't get overly ill.
1: No, no, no. This is, you know, two weeks after.
2: Two weeks after? So uh, That's more uncommon. Usually, you'll get it like right after. But yeah.
1: I don't think it's from the vaccine. Yeah. I think that I picked something oh, up. absolutely. But it's maybe less... Yes. So, how do you know if it is the flu? We were we were talking to Dr. Janet McAlany a couple of weeks back, and she said it's respiratory.
2: Yeah, it's but- it's hard to differentiate between a common cold and the flu. Generally, the way what I you know tell patients is, with the flu, you get much much more sick. You'll have a higher fever. You'll be bedridden. You feel like you're going to die. Like people that have had a really bad case of the flu. You know it's not a cold. A cold generally you could function with. You got a runny nose, sore throat. Uh, you don't feel well, but you could still kind of function throughout the day. If you get a, a real case of the flu, you could it could really knock you out. Uh, to your point, Libby, if you've got the flu shot, and this is something patients don't recognize, they say, "Well, I got the flu shot, and uh, you know, I uh, you know I still got sick." Well, you can actually still get the flu. But the, the odds are that flu, that case of the flu, is going to be a lot less severe than if you weren't uh, vaccinated because your uh, immune system is going to recognize the flu virus quicker, kind of handle it quicker. So uh, we know uh, there is, you know, up to two 3,000 deaths a year in Canada because of the flu. Right. So people can die from it, especially our more elderly uh, uh, patients and, and kind of the very young. Uh, but it, even if you're in that kind of middle ground or if you have, uh, you know, chronic diseases, you're at much higher risk. So um, – even getting the flu, you may have a, a much uh, less severe course if, if you've been vaccinated. And that's why I encourage everyone to get vaccinated.
1: Uh, yeah, and you're talking about people dying from the flu. But there there's also people um, losing their independence or having a chronic condition that becomes much worse that they, they can't quite recover from. So it's, it's very serious, potentially very, very serious.
2: Oh, yeah. And then we know people will get the flu and then they... Uh, Because they're so, you know, immunosuppressed after they're wiped down, then they get these secondary infections, pneumonias pop up. And a lot of times, uh, you know, these patients will die from something else that's, you know, happened because uh, of the fact that they had the flu. So, uh, you know, absolutely, Libby, it's really important for for especially our our senior listeners, if you're over 65, uh, get vaccinated for sure. And you could do it in a pharmacy.
1: Okay. Let's go to Bill in Binbrook. Hi, Bill.
3: Hi, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Just ducky. I have a question for John. Sure. I think I heard this earlier, but I just want to make sure because my wife just found out about a year ago she's a diabetic and she's on pills. And the first trip she took, she got a little freaky because she had to take her meds with her. But is it best to take them in the container with the medical information on them, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, it depends what she's, which pills, but usually do they give them to her in a vial like dispensed at the pharmacy? Yeah. Yeah. Keep it in that vial. I know patients want to make it more convenient to travel, and they try to kind of sometimes mix them together or put them in something else. Oh, no.
3: She was keeping them separate, but what she was doing is saving the jars from each one, but she was worried about having an expiry date on it that they might nail her on that.
2: No, I don't think they, they don't they don't look that carefully. Um, yep. You know, and generally in Ontario, actually, the uh, uh, when we f- when we fill a, a prescription in a vial, we don't actually put the expiry date well, on that. Like an old date, yeah, an old date. Yeah, no, she'll be fine there. Uh, and if there's ever any questions, this is the great thing—you've got a label on there. You just tell them, call my pharmacy, right? Yes,
3: exactly. We've got the phone
2: number. Yeah, the phone number is right on there, but. Always better to travel that way because I've had patients, they just you throw everything together in one vial and they no. say, I'll be good. But then no. it's hard to determine what you have. And then you could take a medication erroneously also if you start doing, exactly. doing things like that. I
3: also wanted to say that the shopper's drug mart in Benbrook was very helpful because being her first trip, she didn't take enough of her uh, her metform.
2: Metformin. Yeah.
3: Yep. And she started freaking out. But between them and the um, Kmart down in Florida, they got it arranged. They were able to figure it out there.
2: And that's generally what we do. We kind of work with anyone, uh, and it doesn't have to be within Canada, the U.S., or anywhere else. We try to sort it out to make it uh, as convenient as possible for the patient. And as long as we're confident that what they're taking is the right thing and it's safe, generally we'll sort it out.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot, Bill. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.
2: Libby, I was going to mention one thing that we didn't kind of talk about with traveling. Be weary of time zones and time changes. Uh, This can be problematic for people that take multiple doses of medication. So what you want to do is keep the interval between your doses relatively constant. So if it's every eight hours, every eight hours, and that can get confusing once you're, you know, flying between time zones. It's easy to kind of make that interval get, uh, you know, longer or shorter. Uh, It's even more problematic if you're taking insulin by injection. Because now you've got to take that insulin generally with food, depending on what kind of what kind of insulin you're you're taking, and and the time differences could really mess you up. So, um, you know, just be careful that you're taking uh, your medication at the right time, because it is easy to get confused.
1: Okay, so that brings me to another question: How do you get onto the schedule of the place where you're at? I mean, we know that with sleeping, it's like stay awake till till it's at night, go to sleep. That's right, but. If, if you're keeping sort of every eight hours or every six hours, you don't want to spend your trip getting up in the middle of the night.
2: It's a great, great question. And generally what I encourage patients to do is speak to your pharmacist because the answer varies depending on what medication you're, you're taking. For example, certain medications, I, I might tell you it's okay to take them a little bit closer together to get you on your new uh, uh, you know, regimen. Uh, for others, you may not want to double dose like that. So I may say just skip a dose. And starting the next morning, like high blood pressure medication generally, I'd say just skip a dose and get on your regular routine when you when you get to wherever you're going. But it will depend because you can't do the same thing with every medication. And then with the, the injections, it gets even more complicated. So, um, you know, speak to your pharmacist. There, are believe it or not, for insulin. There's apps now that will help keep you in line if you're traveling because it can be that potentially serious uh, uh, when you start messing with those insulin doses in different time zones.
1: How common is it for people to get confused with this stuff, and what are the possible consequences? Yeah, I
2: mean, uh, the the good thing is the consequences generally aren't too severe with most medications. If you you were to take a a couple of doses too close together or or wait a little bit longer, it's not a huge deal. But it can be a big deal when we think of medications like anticoagulants, right, where you really want the medication to be at a a therapeutic level. And if you start spreading out the time or making it too close – you're putting yourself at risk for bleeding, or on the other end, for stroke or something like that. So, there's certain drugs. The time is actually timing is very, very important. But the vast majority of medications, you don't have to be so worried about if it's kind of one day that's you're being affected. But it's something if you're concerned about it, make sure you ask your pharmacist.
1: Okay. Any? Uh, we only have about. Um Minute left, little less anything else that you want to tell us that we need to know
2: don 't forget sun carry. if you're getting if you're going down south it's really important uh, make sure you bring sunscreen with you. Kind of, you leave here, it's winter, weather's not great, but you get into these uh, kind of sunny areas, uh, you want to make sure you're protected. We know many medications can increase your uh, sensitivity to the sun. Diuretics, antibiotics, there's a whole group of them. They predispose you to way worse sunburn. So uh, if you're on your medications and you're traveling, ask your pharmacist if you're on any of those specific drugs, but SPF 30 or higher should be okay if you're traveling.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, f- I forgot about that. That's that's true. Uh, and are there some medications just very quickly that if you're on them, you really shouldn't be someplace with a very hot sun?
2: Yeah. Like there's uh, like one that comes to mind is Accutane. People that oh. take Accutane for acne. And uh, uh, you've got to be really careful because I've seen some horrible burns uh, with Accutane. Patients not wearing their sunscreen when they get down south. And generally it's teenagers that are, are on Accutane. Uh, and they're not as careful, Uh, you know, if you're the parent, make sure they're they're wearing their sunscreen uh, and covering up wearing hats and whatnot.
1: Okay, that is all the time we have for this edition of Fight Back. Thank you so much, John. It's great to be here. Our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.